Hello everyone and welcome to the False Nines. This is the 43rd episode of a bi-weekly footballing discussion. I am your host, Zach Pensack, alongside my friend Adam Goffin. Adam, how are you doing today? Footy, Zach. Safer at home. Footy. Safer at home indeed. Safer at home except for technical difficulties that pushed our recording time back uh, almost an entire hour today, Adam. This might be our record for latest start time. It might be. So for our US-based listeners, I'm just going to say one word and you all can empathize with me. Comcast. (laughs) <laughs> we'll leave it at that. The the ominous and ever omnipresent Comcast uh, creating the issues that have led to our nighttime recording today. But we are coming at you with a fresh new episode, uh, as has become the case since uh, lockdown and the lack of Premier League play has begun. We're going to come at you with another new format Today, I'm trying to just continue to mix it up. So, gonna start it off by uh, going over the latest updates with the Premier League potential restart news coming out of England today. And then uh, Adam and I are going to do a little bit of a section uh, just kind of dreaming of potential signees for Newcastle should the club get bought over. We'll then run into middle names and, of course, as always, end it off with 10 in. 90. So, Adam, anything to to chime in with before we get started? I know that was a long monologue for me there. No, that's perfect. It's good to good to be back with just the two of us. It's been a few weeks, uh, few, maybe like a month or so now since we've uh, we've had a one on one episode. I've been missing my Zach time. <laughs> and I missing my Adam time likewise. It, it was an honor and a pleasure to have uh, the coming home Newcastle lads on the pod. Uh, I think that will continue going forward every few episodes, having somebody from CHN radio and CHN on the podcast. Um, but yeah, today back to basics with Adam and Zach. So as I mentioned to start off, we will talk about uh, the Premier League as a whole. News coming out today that the Premier League restart will most likely face even further delays after the Premier League players have voiced safety concerns. So reading from a Guardian article posted today by uh, Paul McInnes and David Heitner, um, the two saying, quote, the Premier League is facing the possibility of having to delay its project restart after a pair of crucial meetings with players and managers provoked a series of robust exchanges and diverging views Uh, and the second bit here skipping a little bit in the article a planned resumption of play on the 12th of june is now looking less likely and kickoff a week later is now a possibility after issues over protocols for a safe return to play and concerns over the need for more training came to the fore so adam really interesting point that i got for this from this article and i recommend everyone to check it out on the guardian website this meeting today was the first time that players actually were able to speak with uh management and uh, the league with their opinions on the restart of play pretty shocking to me that after we've been hearing for weeks of a june 1st june 12th resumption today uh, just about two to three weeks out is the first time the players actually get to chime in what are your thoughts on that Yeah, it's interesting. I think, you know, what we've been hearing the past couple of weeks is that there's been representatives from each club in these conversations with the Premier League. Um, You'd think that the representatives would be 
really kind of showcasing the views of the players themselves, but that's not always the case, as we know. Um, imagine having Mike Ashley in that room versus, you know, having a <laughs> an Alan St. Maximin or somebody like that in the, in the room. You know, you're definitely going to get different perspectives from, from each of those people. So while I'm not surprised, I think that, you know, they, if, they, if they wanted to, they could have been having these conversations long before now. Um, but I think it's just been, uh, it's been troubling times in the world right now, and it continues to be so. There's no vaccine. Um, we're still at a point where everybody is still somewhat nervous about contracting the coronavirus. And I don't blame the players for having some hesitancy about wanting to come back and play, especially when, you know, each each team is 11 players minimum. We've got 20 teams. There's several hundreds of players that are going to be participating in any given time. So, I mean, it, it's, it's a tricky one, Zach. I'm not really sure what the, the right answer is here. Yeah, absolutely. And so you mentioned there the representative of clubs who had been speaking with the league previous. So today, in specific, uh, all 20 club captains from all the clubs in the Premier League went to this two-hour meeting with Premier League officials and the deputy chief medical officer, Jonathan Van Tam, who works for the Premier League. So Newcastle's representative, Jamal Lascelles, was at this meeting. Uh, and as you mentioned, that that was really the, the main point of contention is the safety of the players. And logistically how this entire thing would work. I, I know that a, a big talking point uh, that came out yesterday um, at the day of recording uh, being Wednesday the 13th was the league went as far as suggesting if we restart play when players go in for tackles, they should just turn their faces away. And, <laughs> you know, re- reading reading something almost as farcical as that uh, really, to, in my mind, speaks to speaks volumes about the inability and and lack of knowledge from the league as to how this would actually be done safely uh and so as you said i it, i don't fault the players at all for being very very resistant to rushing into a restart for the league so there's two thoughts i have really on that yeah that that that's the whole concept of turning away I, I read that as well and it sounds like that was blown out of proportion a little bit i think what they were trying to say is as the players are going in for tackles once they're getting up from those tackles don't be helping each other up don't be necessarily like face to face or getting up squaring up to people and things like that you know Uh, that was what they were getting at the fact that we have to say it just kind of shows where the world is at right now um but it's it's just smart uh there's there's two points i have though that i that i want to make first and foremost the bundesliga is starting this weekend right there needed to be a guinea pig for a major league i'm not talking about like there's like Bahrain leagues or something like that that are they're probably still playing. Um, but I wanted to see a major league come back and how they would navigate their way through that. They're starting this weekend, the 16th of May. And that's going to be really, really interesting because what's inevitably going to happen is somebody's going to contract coronavirus. One of the players in the Bundesliga or in the second division in Germany are going to contract coronavirus. And then I'm fascinated to see what they do. The Premier League, mm, if they yep. restart on the 19th, they have a whole month to observe what happens in Germany. Now, granted, in Germany, it's not been as prevalent, the coronavirus, as it has been in the UK and in England specifically. But they're going to have the benefit of seeing somebody else go first um, and how that might pan out as a result. The second point I want to make, Zach, is um, this is where we'll lose a ton of listeners. Uh, I'm actually a WWE fan. Um, and the WWE has not stopped putting on um, shows and events since the coronavirus hit. In fact, they did WrestleMania remotely. Now, there are no fans in the crowds. They do all of this remotely, but they do temperature checks. They have COVID-19 tests for anybody that um, that they think might be symptomatic. And they're really strict and stringent about it. And they've had zero cases of COVID-19 amongst the wrestlers so far. So 
that gives me hope. Um, whether it, whether it's a sport or not, there's still people that are coming together and the, you know they're grappling, they're they're holding holding each other, they're doing all those different things that are physical contact that are going to happen on a on a football field. Um, so I, I would say that there's there's definitely some advantages to going last in that you get to observe what other people have done and done wrong. Yeah, I think that's a both phenomenal points. Uh, Germany, obviously, the microscope will be on the Bundesliga. And we don't need to dive into the kind of greater politics of the last few months. But I, I think that one thing to keep in mind uh, across the board is just, like you said, a, a far less case in cases in Germany and also uh, a government that has done a much more proficient job at limiting and and dealing with the exposure. So rightly so able to open up their league earlier than other countries that certainly have been behind the ball, no pun intended there, with their treatment of this pandemic. But absolutely will be fascinating to keep an eye on uh, this weekend and, and seeing kind of the, you know, the fissures that the opening of the Bundesliga has throughout Europe and world football. But as of now, still no concrete date for the restart of the Premier League. Looks like June 19th would be the absolute earliest, but you know who knows if that will actually happen. Yep, it's going to be interesting. And friend of the pod, Warren Barton, he's going to be back in, in business on commentary this weekend in the Bundesliga. So Warren, if you're listening, have a great time. Enjoy it. It's good to see some footy back on the TV. Yeah, uh, up the Schalke as all Newcastle fans seem to seem to be taking in now. <laughs> I read an article. Um, sorry, really briefly. I read an article today um, that was talking about if you are a Premier League fan, here's the Bundesliga team that you should support based on similarities between the teams in the in their respective divisions. And they said FC Cologne because they're the perennial underachievers, um, and they've had like glimpses of getting close to winning trophies and haven't really won. So FC Cologne, um, that's my team this weekend. FC Cologne, okay. I'll, I'll take Schalke just because Klaus von Huntelaar played, plied his trade for that club for a while, and he is one of my favorite all-time Bundesliga strikers. So my go. allegiance lies in Schalke. But there's there's no wrong for, answer here, Zach. Exactly, exactly. There's no wrong answer in sport at the moment <laughs> at all. Um, so, so going from Germany back to the UK, uh, as... Um, we know the the uncertainty with football uh, is not just resigned to the Premier League at the moment, but also more specifically to our beloved Newcastle United Magpies. So the uh, potential sale of the club that has seemed to draw on for, for years now, uh, only having taken place in the past few months, um, at what seems to be a critical point, Adam, uh, with final documents being looked over by the Premier League, uh, from from articles being written in The Athletic from by George Calkin, Chris Waugh, to uh, articles in the more local paper, The Chronicle, and other papers around the country, it appears that a sale price has been agreed between Mike Ashley and the PIF, the consortium being led by Amanda Staveley. And now it is just down to the Premier League to approve the sale. So as we wait for a potential cans-centric party to take place, uh, Adam, I, I want to kind of get, you know, get a little creative here. And, um, you know, I, we've been seeing a ton of names being linked with Newcastle already. What, what are some names that you have seen pop up in the news? I mean, the, the one that's the most prevalent for me, and it's been a lot this week um, that I'd be super excited about, is Gareth Bale. Absolutely. 
Yep. Um, yeah. Gareth Bale, I think, is is a big one. Cavani has been linked at times. I've seen that. Yeah. All right. He's he's kind of getting on a little bit. Um, but there's just some great players that have been linked. I know you mentioned before we started recording that there was one particular one that you were excited about too. Yeah, Verratti was one I saw today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marco Verratti, which would just be mind-blowing to imagine him coming to Newcastle. Uh, James Rodriguez was another one that I saw. Um, I mean, obviously right now with so little happening in European football, it's it's just easy and kind of you know low-hanging fruit to link a player to the club with this massive takeover potentially happening. But um, in the spirit of potential dream signings for Newcastle, Adam, I, I'd like to go through the Premier League, through all 20 clubs, including Newcastle, and I want to talk about if you know if you were to hit that reset button with Newcastle United uh, and you could pick one player from each club in the Premier League to put uh, on Tyneside and have donned the Newcastle black and white, which player you would choose from each club. So I know that you have, in your typical uh, analytical fashion, you've taken a very structured approach to this task I've given you today. Do you want to explain how you're looking at this? Yeah, so the um, just for listeners, I believe, uh, I'm not sure if you mentioned this, but we're going top down. So we're looking basically from the top of the league down to the bottom of the league with lowly Norwich one player from each of those teams. And as you mentioned, my my strategy here was to come up with a team, to have a first 11 and have some substitutes, some strength and depth. So I didn't put 20 center forwards in the team. I tried to really have a good balance of, you know, wingbacks, of midfielders, of wingers, of strikers, of attacking midfielders, defensive midfielders. So um, I, I've really gone about it with that approach. Uh, I also tried to see if I could get as many Welsh players as possible into my team. Uh, unfortunately, there are not... Welsh players at every Premier League club, so you'll you'll see I've crammed as many in there as I possibly could. Uh, disgraceful that that is uh, the re- the reality we live in today. <laughs> uh, that the Welsh is not the the Dragons are not covering the Premier League at the moment. But That's no, I, I I like your thinking. So I I as per usual kind of took a bit more of a free form approach. That being said, the one thing that I did keep in mind uh, is I wanted to have a, a bit of a balance between established players and more up and coming players. So kind of looking at it as, you know, what players would I want to throw right into a Newcastle uh, starting 11 this moment, but also players that, you know, it would be good to have on the books who have shown a lot of promise in the Premier League. So uh, yeah, I definitely did not have the, the starting 11. I I have to ask after we did the uh, team of the year last episode, did you take a four, four, two approach once again? I did take a four four two. It's a classic formation. You can't go wrong with it. If it's good enough for Sean Dyche, it's good enough for me, Zach. I love it. I love it. A, a true Brit to his bones. So, all right, without any further ado, let's start from the top. Liverpool, Adam, who is your selection as your one red to put in the Newcastle lineup? This one was tough. Um, and it was tough because there are lots of good center backs in the Premier League and the quality of right backs is is not as high i would say across the board um but i i couldn't stop myself from doing it i picked virgil van dyke i went center back for liverpool um he's he's amazing i think he'd be my he'd be my captain right off the bat that's one of the other reasons i went with him he comes in and leads that team basically leads all of the defenders around him and is just a really vocal player um to me the best defender in the world um hands down he's a threat from set pieces he scores goals uh, one of the other things I've, I've done with my format, Zach, is I've looked at kind of market value based on transfer market in, in dollars right now. 
and he's at 88 million. So really expensive player for Newcastle right off the bat and 88 million center back in Virgil van Dijk. Good luck getting him for that much, by the way, that's not happening. <laughs> I agree. And I, I also agree in the uh, fact of taking Virgil van Dijk myself. I kind of went through a similar thing. It, it really, uh, despite the fact that Liverpool has a plethora of uh, first team players, I think that you could very, very soundly make the argument that anybody in that Liverpool starting 11 would be on any starting 11 in the Premier League right now. Um, it did come down to Van Dyke or Trent Alexander-Arnold, right? Exactly. Um, the two stars of the club this uh, this season. But I, I think that, yeah, you have the best center back in the world. You're, you're, you're daft to ever pass up on that opportunity. So Van Dyke was my selection as well. Uh, all right, so so going from Merseyside down to Manchester, uh, the citizens in blue sitting in second in the table. Uh, I have a feeling you and I took the same player uh, for, for City as do you, well. Do you uh, want to trade off and you can go first this time? Okay, yeah, I will be the first person out of the two of us to say that I took Kevin De Bruyne as my selection. Absolutely. From Manchester City, and in a way, the exact same reasoning as Virgil Van Dijk. Right? You could uh, you could certainly make an argument. De Bruyne, player of the season this year, uh, and a, a top three, if not top two, if not top one, center midfielders in the world at the moment. Uh, the the player that makes that team tick, and uh, a player who is just uh, really uh, can do an astonishing amount to to help his team win. Again, there, there's no real other option, is there? No, exactly. I think to me, the, the the number one creative midfielder in the world, 16 assists on the season so far, chips in with a few goals as well. He's almost at double figures for goals. Um, and, and if the Premier League concludes, or if they do end up giving out Player of the Year awards, I think he's a shoe in for uh, yep, EPL Player of the Year this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that shout. So, all right, we, we've gone through the, the, really the easy ones at the top of the yep. table, which is almost a tad counterintuitive with how much quality is in both those clubs. And this is where it'll get interesting. I, I think that I, now that I'm looking at everyone I selected, I, weirdly enough, have a lack of uh, strikers. So I'm interested to see, with Leicester, did you take Jamie Vardy to lead your lines? I did not. And one thing I sorry, I forgot to mention on Kevin De Bruyne, he is actually tied for the most expensive player per transfer market in my team today. $132 million for Ooh. Kevin De Bruyne. That's amazing. Yes. Back to Leicester, though, to your point. Um, I am denied about this, and I went strategic here because I think behind... Um, Mr. Trent Alexander-Arnold, I think the second best right back in the Premier League is one Ricardo Pereira. Um, he's coming in transfer market rating at 35.2 million. I needed a good right back. I didn't know where else I was going to find one. Um, and I think there are equally as good or comparable center forwards across the Premier League that I would entertain in, in my team. So Ricardo Pereira for me, 26-year-old Portuguese international. He's got over 50 starts for Leicester and he scores goals as well. Five goals also in his 50 starts for Leicester as well. Yeah, Ricardo Pereira has really been, and we talked about this in our team of the in the year discussion. As I, I believe you you took Pereira in in that case as well, but uh, a player that has just gone from strength to strength this year, and and really has cemented his place in that lineup. So I do like that strategic thinking. Uh, although, admittedly, Adam, as a uh, a leading member in the Javier Manquillo fan club, very disappointed that you took your right back this early in the draft. I know. Yeah, I I thought about Javier Manquillo um, for a fleeting moment, and then decided that Ricardo Pereira was, um, you know, he has the better 
long-term potential of those two players. <laughs> a political answer as always. So it's uh, Pereira from Adam. I kept it in the back line at Leicester as well. Uh, went to Soyuncu for okay. my selection from the Foxes. And uh, in, in a similar sense, I, I think that... Um, a, a number of, of strikers can be put in that team. Uh, so kind of straight away from Vardy. Also, um, although he certainly doesn't seem to be slowing down, the age of Jamie Vardy will become a concern, I think, at some point. Uh, whereas Soyuncu, the really the breakout star of Leicester this season, the Turkish center back, only 23 years of age. So yep. having having him and Van Dyke next to each other is just like... That's that's a mouthwatering uh, center of your defense for for years to come, and I, I thought in my mind that was that was too good of an opportunity to pass up. Yep, I think that's a good shout. The other person that I kind of thought about for half a moment was Yuri Tielemans, um, but I think just okay. too too unproven at this time. Yeah, Tielemans. I think Leicester has a lot of good shouts. Wilfred and Didi has had a phenomenal mm-hmm. year. I think that uh, Madison kind of I, I think slowed down a tad towards the end of the season, so a little bit more time for for him to improve. But Perez yeah, back think, to the tune, maybe Zach. I, I don't even joke about that. Um, that would be amazing. <laughs> he would do it. He's um, a fucking mercenary. Come on. Uh, no, I don't don't ever say say those horrible <laughs> words about my sweet my sweet ios. <laughs> Um, okay, Adam. So again, uh, Chelsea is another club that I'm, I'm very curious who both of us select. Uh, I'll go with you here. Who did you take out of the um, up and coming, you know, youth laden Chelsea side? I'm glad you positioned it that way because I was very, very tempted to not go with youth and to go with N'Golo Kante, and I didn't. Um, I, that makes one of us. I looked. I looked at Kante, and I thought. That's a guy that's, you know, coming on the wrong side of 30. I think, you know, he'd be great for an immediate impact, but I've got lots of immediate impact players in my team, and I wanted looking at that Chelsea team that is so strong with with great youth players and has a great blueprint that hopefully Newcastle will follow, um, minus obviously the, uh, the transfer bans. But Mason Mount is who I picked. Um, okay. Mason Mount has had a great season for me of those midfield players, Pulisic, Mount looking at those really creative midfielders that have that can score goals as well. He's forty four point five five million on the transfer market ratings. Scores goals to me. He's the closest thing to Frank Lampard that Chelsea have had since Frank Lampard, um, and I think that Frank Lampard himself believes that. So already has six starts and a goal for England. He's twenty one years old still. What an amazing talent Mason Mount is. Yeah, I think your your logic is quite sound there. I did not realize that N'Golo Conte is twenty nine years of age. Mm-hmm. That surprised me. I mean, he 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 is truly the definition of a youthful looking baby face player. He mm-hmm. you know you you would not you know you would not uh, have to try hard to convince me he was twenty three by looking at him. But uh, yeah, I think your logic there is sound. I think especially with him coming off of injuries this season, there's always the question mark. Um, and yeah, Mount is is really looking like a player for the future. That being said, I ended up going with Conte. Uh, I just wanted that center defensive midfielder to really anchor that team, uh, and I think that he, when he's healthy, is you know st- stands on a on a pedestal above everyone else uh, for that position. Can't disagree with you there. I, I almost went with him myself. So two two good shouts, I think. 
Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. So we're going to go back to Manchester, Manchester United, who uh, is the next club in the Premier League table. Another team that I am very, very curious to see what you said here. There, Adam, there are some clubs, and I, I feel like I'm curious to see if you feel similar. I feel like there are some clubs that both of us may be confident that we said the same player, uh, but Man United is not one of them. So very interested to see who you say here. I agree. Um, I'm going to make you go first, though. I went first with Mount. What do you, what do you got, oh, sir? Okay. We'll, we'll do that switching off. Um, so I went with youth here. Uh, as I mentioned before, I wanted to take some players for uh, my new Newcastle squad that are players for that future, similar to Mason Mountain away. Uh, and I'm going to I'm gonna keep it at Mason. I'm going to go with Mason Greenwood That's as my shout. selection out of Man United. I think that um, really, in a lot of ways, uh, Greenwood has been the highest praised player on uh, Manchester United this season. And, and really due to his age, 18 years of age, has had a fairly consistent role in that Manchester United club. And it has been a number of years since a, a player of that age has had an extended run in the club. In the 29 games that they ended up playing this season so far, Greenwood has 22 appearances with five goals, so a pretty pretty nice-looking return. And again, 18 years of age, has really been tabbed by a number of uh, pundits and former players as kind of the future of that club. So I, I really want to stake uh, a bit of an investment on Greenwood here. Yep, I like that. Um, I thought you'd go with Rashford. That was my guess on who you would go with. Um, Rashford is the obvious one for me. Um, and then, you know... He, you're looking at that front three, you could pick any one of them to be, to be honest, in Greenwood, Rashford, um, and then Martial could be could be a good shout. But I didn't go with I, any of those guys. I picked my oh, first of my two yeah. Welsh players, Mr. Daniel James. Uh, 24.75 million transfer market rating right now in US dollars. He's a full Welsh international. He's got double-digit caps. He's 22 years old. Um, one of the paciest and deadliest players from an attacking standpoint in the Premier League. And I think I mentioned that Mount's the closest that Chelsea have got to Frank Lampard since he was playing. I think that Dan James is the closest to Ryan Giggs since he retired from Manchester United and and football in general. So um, he's playing under Giggs at Wales now. He's learning a lot from him. He's definitely gone off the, the boil a little bit as the season has progressed. He started red hot and was scoring goals at the beginning of the year. Um, but I, he had some injury problems as well as he's gone. He's got at least another 10 to 12 years ahead of him at the top level. And he's he's just in a phenomenal talent. Dan James at left wing. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I think that's a good shout. And I'm glad we both went with youth there. Not something you'd typically see when judging a Manchester United lineup. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 the year of the young for, for Man U. Um, One other so, honorable shout there, I would say, Bruno Fernandez. Very early on in his Man United career, but he's been he's been really great since he's come in. I doubt they'd let him go this soon. Yes, to, to Newcastle, of course. Yeah. Um, we have to remember all these players are playing in the black and white, which is a, a fairly funny thing to think about. But mm-hmm. all right, so I, I, I had a feeling neither of us were going to choose the same player there. But uh, <laughs> as I mentioned, there are some clubs I, I'm fairly confident we went the same direction, and Wolves is one of them. Uh, <laughs> Adam, who did you cho- choose from Wolverhampton Wanderers? I did pick the same player that you picked, I'm sure. Zach, but I almost didn't. I almost went with Diogo Jota. Uh, I think he is a fantastic player um, and a real talent at Wolves and a lot younger than you give him credit for. 
Um, but I went with Adama Traore. You have to. Um, the season that he has had, he's in the shout for player of the year. He'd be starting on the right-hand side for me, 28.05 million on transfer market. Um, he's come into his own this season. We've talked about this many, many times. The pace he has with that frame that he has, I'm not quite sure how how he does it. He's just like a running bull when he runs at the defense. And um, I, I'd say he might be one of the hottest commodities on the transfer market this summer in general, whether Newcastle are in the market for him or not. I think he's going to be one of the names that is most coveted among Premier League players this year for transfer signings. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the trier was the easy selection here. And uh, as you noted, we, we both did select him. It's four goals and seven assists from 28 matches, which is a fantastic return in truly his, his you know, kind of coming out party in the Premier League. So trier also only 24 years of age and a Spanish international. So still mm-hmm. uncapped for the Spanish international team. But uh, yeah, I think that 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 was one of the easier selections I had uh, on this uh, yep. this little kind of run through the table. Two additional things there. He's um he's I don't know if you've heard about this from an international standpoint, but he him and his brother his brother is not as famous as him, but he he certainly is a a an international level soccer player. Um, but Adama Traore is very much considering playing for Mali as his international team, and has almost declared for them a couple of times. So Spain should get on that really really fast. And then the last thing. As we're considering him coming to Newcastle, do you really think that we'd want him after he's played for the Smogs previously at Middlesbrough? Um, my my uh, my knowledge of the hatred of the Northern clubs is not as developed as yours, so I would say absolutely. I, I would snap his hand off in a second. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess we got Javier Manquillo on the team, and he played the Sunderland. So that's true. Yeah, yeah. and DeAndre Yedlin as and well. Yedlin, that's um, right. all our right backs. Yeah, and. And Jack Colback. We literally talked about this last week. <laughs> we sure did. <laughs> um, okay, so Wolves to Sheffield United. So another one that I, I I would like to say I'm fairly confident we both selected the same player. Were you a uh, an admirer of Dean Henderson for this selection, Adam? I was, and the irony is he's not even a Sheffield United player. He isn't, but like he... Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about that. He technically is a Manchester United player, but um, going off the performances this season, Henderson, really a standout player, second most clean sheets in the Premier League. Uh, certainly, I would say at this point, a front runner for the England uh, number one role between the sticks in Euros next summer. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I think Henderson was a pretty simple selection for Sheffield United. Yep, ironically, uh, my only player that I have that is a low knee. Um, in my team so I think he's the future of England's goalkeeping um, in major tournaments in the future 23 years old like goalkeeper as well he could be playing for another 15 to 17 years Zach like super exciting prospect um, he's, he's really got the world at his feet right now or his hands mm-hmm. I guess yeah there you go <laughs> um, yeah so it will be interested to see what what club he is playing for next season as we've talked about numerous times but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of do a cop out there and, and select him for Sheffield United. Uh, so Sheffield United sitting in seventh uh, in the table at the moment. Uh, on to eighth, it's Spurs. Um, I I have a feeling that you know who I selected, but I do not know who you selected for this one. <laughs> you went with Youngman Son, didn't you? A hundred percent. It's not even close. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I went with Harry Kane, my friend. No. Harry no Kane, no who is tied no for, Kane. for the most valuable player in my team, also 132 million alongside Kevin De Bruyne. 
Dude, Harry, listen to this goal scoring record for Spurs. 136 goals and 198 appearances for Spurs. Still 26 years old. Only 26. You think he's a lot older than that, but he's not. I think of, if anybody has a chance of catching Alan Shearer at 283 Premier League goals for the goal scoring record, I think Harry Kane is the guy, but he's not even halfway there yet. <laughs> and he's 26 already, so he's got to keep stepping up that. Maybe the injury timeliness is, is not a bad thing for him, given the coronavirus thing going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Kane is obviously the smart pick, but I, I need not explain my love of Hyunmin Son. And just, I, I would just like to see him in a Newcastle jersey would just make me so happy. It would make me so happy. So he's a great it was, player. It was a per- I'm, I'm, it was I'm a... messing with you. He's a great player, but he's, he's not who I would pick for my team. That. Yeah, f- f- fair enough. Um, yeah, I I think that's fair. I I now that I'm looking down my lineup, I just I I I think I selected eight wingers and one one out and out number nine. So really really going from the sides of the pitch, chalk on the heels wingers for my club. Yep, I like that. Um, all right, on to the other team in North London, Arsenal. Um, so I'm curious here because. Arsenal's a team very much in transition. This is another one where I think we might have differing players that we pick. Who, who did you go with, Zach? Yeah, so it, as kind of per my reference just a moment ago with a limited number of uh, out-and-out strikers, this is one where I, I had to to make the selection of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Mm-hmm. Uh, the season he had, especially the second half of the abbreviated season, uh, vaulting himself into second in the goal scoring charts behind Jamie Vardy. Um, and I, I really think that he has been the most consistent player at Arsenal over the last three seasons. And um, yeah, the, the ability to have him up top, I, I think that he fits in almost every single system. He can even play on the wing if need be. So uh, yeah, I for, for me, despite the fact that Arsenal, you know, as you said, rebuilding has a lot of young players. I think that he was the runaway favorite. Okay. Yeah, I, I could see that. I think yeah, he's he's a world class striker, and he's had a great season despite having a couple of minor niggles and injuries, and um, also having some some time out with uh, with some suspensions that he's had as well for red cards. So uh, I did not go with him though. I went with youth versus experience here in this Arsenal team, and for me, since Arteta's come in, there's been no better player on the Arsenal team than their left back, 18 year old Bukayo Saka, um, 22 million valuation. Uh, he'd be my starting left back as well. I think the threat that he has from an assist standpoint, from an attacking standpoint, and he tracks back as well, just bursting with energy all the time, getting forward, getting back, can put in a tackle, can put in a cross. I think he's a real find, um, and Arteta is going to really groom him and bring him along. Um, and he, I can see him being a starting left back at Arsenal for, for many, many seasons to come. Absolutely. And then England international as well mm-hmm. has been capped for the England under 19 club. So, so technically still available for Nigeria is the other country that mm-hmm. he could play for, but uh, it, you, you would think that, you know, with the kind of instability at left back for the England national team, it would be a, a pretty easy selection for him. But I do like that. I like going with youth in that mm-hmm. selection. So that's a good one. Adam. I think him and Chilwell will be a good, interesting, uh, battle for left back in the England team for, for the next few years. Mm-hmm. He does have a number of years on Chilwell is, is the one uh, thing there. Ben Chilwell uh, currently at eh, 23 years of age. So okay. a, a five year difference, still a young player. Yeah. Plenty of, plenty of international years ahead of both of those players, I would say. So left back should be sorted for England for, for many years to come. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, so rounding out the top half of the Premier League table, it's Burnley in 10th. Adam, who did you go with, with for Burnley? I This took me a, a bit of time to make a selection, so I'm curious who you went with here. It didn't take me a long time at all. I went with another left-sided player and somebody that's been coveted by Manchester United in, in recent weeks, according to the press, is Dwight McNeil. Um, 19.8 million transfer valuation for Dwight McNeil. Um, he's still only 20 years old as well. I think they're going to really struggle to keep hold of him at Burnley. He's one of the most talented players on that team. He has no international cap, full international caps for England yet, but he's played for the under-21s for um, several years and has tons of under-21 caps. Just a matter of time before he breaks into Southgate's plans. So Bukayo Saka and Dwight McNeil, my last two players, would be my left side of my team. Um, and that's basically how I would start my left-hand side. Mm, okay, so so McNeil gets to start in your your Newcastle team of the future? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, there's a couple of other left-wingers that I've included in my team. Um, I'll tell you who they are as we go through. But yes, I would give him the nod slightly over one of the other players that I've yet to mention. All right, and so would I. Dwight McNeil, my selection as well. Maybe the most exciting player that Burnley has ever had. I don't know. Have they ever had a, a crafty winger before? That's not something I definitively know the answer to. But um, McNeil is definitely that for the club at the moment. Yeah, you, you can't really see him playing in the in the Clareton Blue next season, can you? I, I very much doubt it. Um, yeah, I hope they get a pretty penny for him because they've really kind of done a, a great job with developing him as a player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but again, McNeil, a fairly easy selection, uh, I agree. Maybe Nick Pope, potentially, if you're looking for depth at goalkeeper. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that McNeil is really the star of that club this season. So, all right, on to the, the latter half of the table. Crystal Palace, did you go with a winger here as well? I did not. Um, I, I know who you're thinking of, the obvious one. But again, I structured my team to have some strength and depth across all positions. You mentioned goalkeepers. I picked a goalkeeper here. Um, He's a little on the older side. I think he's in his mid-30s, around 33, 34 years old. I went for Vicente Guaita. Um, He's somebody that has no full Spanish caps, um, and he's played in Spain for many, many years, but he's played for Palace for a couple years now. And if he's keeping Wayne Hennessy out of the team, who was Wales' number one, he's got to be a good keeper. Uh, For me... I think he's been one of the fines of the season in terms of, like, for my fantasy team. I've been playing him a decent amount. I know you're probably sick of me hearing about my fantasy team for, for EPL. <laughs> but uh, Guaita's been great, dude. 36 goals against this season for Palace. That's the sixth-best defensive record in the Premier League. Wow. So he's my backup, but he's a, he's a solid backup. Somebody who I think could come in a la Claudio Bravo, that sort of player, and, and do a solid job. Maybe an even better job than Bravo, I might think. Mm-hmm. How many starts does he have for Palace in 29 matches? I am not sure. You can look that up. Why don't you tell me um, who you picked for Palace, and I'll see if I can find that stat for you. Yeah, so because I didn't you know, limit myself to actually selecting for positions, which admittedly was a bit of a cop-out, I went with Wilfred Zaha mm-hmm. here. Uh, pretty much the exact same reasoning as uh, Dwight McNeil. Um, just that tricky winger Zaha, obviously a lot more proven in the Premier League. So I suppose he would be competing with Son for a a spot in the starting eleven. But um, yeah, the fact that Wilfred Zaha still plays for Crystal Palace really blows my mind. It it just doesn't seem real that he is still playing for a mid table side and just 
kind of running circles around everybody else on the park but yep uh yeah i would love to i would love to see see zaha in there if this were a year ago my friend i'd be absolutely on board with you but i think zaha has been a little underwhelming this year mm-hmm. as I compared agree. to last year and then that stat you were looking for um last year guaita had 20 starts for palace in 38 games this season 27 out of 29 Okay. Yeah. So obviously, you know, the the keeper of the future for Palace there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good shout. I, I wouldn't have thought of that one. So that is quite good. Uh, okay. So from London back up north to, to Everton, um, <laughs> uh, who, who'd you go with with Everton here? Another team with a lot of promising young players. So I'm curious, did, did you... Uh, did you go up top for, for Everton? Did you take another striker? I took another striker, and he'd be in my starting lineup as well. The future of England, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Kane and Calvert-Lewin up top for England. I picked Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Everton's number nine, to start in my team. $26.4 million valuation right now at the ripe old age of 23. He's already got 105 starts for Everton, 23 goals, as I mentioned. Um, I'm a huge fan of his. I, I, I really think he's got a great eye for goal, poacher's instinct. I think somebody who's going to be banging him in for, for Everton for many, many years to come. Um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin for me. Mm, yeah, I, I, I know you, you've been singing his praises quite a bit this season, so mm-hmm. that one doesn't surprise me. Um, I'm going to continue my unintentional streak of only picking left-sided wingers and go with Richarlison on this one. Yeah, um, that was my second pick as well. Yep. Yeah. It, uh, you know, three clubs in a row where it did seem kind of limited to those attacking-minded players. Richarlison, uh, another young player, a Brazilian, as we know. Uh, but um, really, I think this season has kind of proved his worth at that top level. There were a lot of questions in his first season with Everton as to, you know, could he be performing uh, at those that higher, I'd say, level of standard. But I think he has matured over the last season, and I think that um, he has really become a, a force in the Premier League, certainly puts a muscle on, and um, is that kind of, in a way to me, that kind of hybrid between Traore, who is, you know, this physical freak, and then a, a Zaha type that, that more does kind of rely on his craftiness and less so his physical ability. I think that Richarlison is right in the middle of those two. Yep, it's a good shout. I almost went with Richarlison as well. I like that. I like that shout a lot. Such a promising young player. Um, could be could be a a star for Brazil as well in in future future tournaments as well. Mm-hmm. All right, Adam. The 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 really the club and the question we've come to is who do you keep? Uh, the one player you're cleaning house at Newcastle, and you can keep one player. Whose locker are you walking up to and and telling them that they will be? donning the black and white next season i'd be taking a backup right back at this point uh, no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> uh for me it was really between two players it was uh, it's probably evident now that i didn't go with the goalkeeper martin dubravka because i've already picked two uh i went with alan st maximin here for me he's 23 he's exciting he's young he's probably the only player at newcastle that i would consider building a team around that we currently have at the club. Um, Just a maverick player. I I mentioned this before on the pod as well. To me, the closest that we've got to Hatem Benarfa uh, since since we've had Benarfa at the club, Alan St. Maximin is a tremendous talent and i'm sure you've seen his social media presence as well he's a pretty funny yeah. guy uh he oh, interacts with the fans and has a has a good time with them and he's very very popular among tune fans mm-hmm. yeah I, I think in a lot of ways like 
kind of eerily similar to Adam Ben Arfa. Um, and I, I actually found myself last night watching a number of uh, St. Maximin highlight videos in preparation for, for this pod episode. Um, and the, the one thing, the one I, I would say almost negative about uh, St. Maximin, albeit still an exciting quality, is uh, is so, so Ben Arfa-esque, is just the dribbling never ends, right? Like gets by two or three players, has that kind of maybe that incisive through ball opportunity, but just wants to take on more and more players. And the thing about that that is exciting is it, you can kind of teach and, and mold that and get him away from maybe the tendency to, to take one too many touches. So definitely understand the selection. I just... On the basis of having taken three wingers in a row, I went to Bravka, um, and uh, you know it would theoretically be my backup to Dean Henderson there. I think honestly, really, actually, they would compete for that starting role. Uh, simple enough. I think Newcastle would be in the relegation zone if it wasn't for Martin Dubravka right now. That's a true and I think story. That that alone earns him a the coveted sole spot uh, on the black and white. All right. Uh, moving on to Southampton, then uh, I'll, I'll let you go first. Here, uh, there's one obvious answer. Did we both go with the obvious answer here? So yeah, I mean, my my lack of strikers necessitated me to go with <laughs> the the man who has you know kind of risen from the ashes, and, Shane and Long? that has to be. I wish it was Shane Long. Um, what could have been was Shane Long, but not nah, Danny Danny Ings by by a mile on that one for me. Yep. Yep, uh, I went with Danny Ings as well. Um, surprising when I was doing research for this, he wouldn't even start in my team, by the way. He'd be a backup for Kane and Big Dominic up front. But how old is Danny Ings right now? 28? Yeah, I, I thought he was older than that. He's 27. Um, he's 27? only a year okay. older than Harry Kane. He seems to have been around for many, many years. Um, mm-hmm. Back, I think he was at Burnley back in the day, wasn't he? Ooh, that I think is He went Burnley, a... Liverpool... Southampton. Um, I well, I think there was there was a Southampton in between, kind of crunched in between there. So yeah, has bounced around a lot. Came up through the youth at Bournemouth, and then yes, in in twenty eleven, uh, went Bournemouth to Burnley. Four years later, Burnley to Liverpool, and then that therein became the kind of bouncing between Liverpool and Southampton. He was put on loan to Southampton back to Liverpool, and then sold officially to Southampton. So, yeah, yeah he it definitely has donned a number of jerseys. But, yeah, I think that, in a way, Denny is the perfect backup, right, yep. for, for a striker. Absolutely. You'd love to bring him off your bench with 20 minutes to go with tired legs. He's he's a natural goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he is. And he's that poaching striker that you'd want to just put in the box. And, you know, you could imagine a, a ball bouncing around and him able to slot it home. So, yep. uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think Denny was the easy selection. Nobody at Southampton is, like, terribly impressive besides him this season. Yeah, James Ward-Prowse was the only other one I gave a thought to, but I feel uh, like he's also gone off the boil a little bit this year. He just hasn't panned out for me. He, the hype for him has been so high for so long, and I just think that it hasn't really materialized. Right. All right. All right. Um, All right. On so to we're 15th. rounding out. Yeah, rounding out the the last six clubs. Um, Brighton is an interesting one. Not a lot of you know terribly thrilling players for for Brighton this season, but another club that I have a feeling we picked the the same player to. Did you go with Neil Mope as well? I did not. I did not. Oh, okay. I, I waited till fifteenth to pick my center back pairing for Virgil Van Dyke. And I went with the Lewis Dunk. I went with Lewis Dunk. Um, right, 17.6 nice. million transfer market value right now. 
He's 28, and he has 271 appearances for Brighton, 15 goals during that time. He's been there since 2010. He's Brighton through and through. He's their club captain right now, uh, and he's somebody who I think that although he's been there a long time and is similar in age to um, Virgil van Dijk, I think is somebody who would learn a ton from him and would, would be a great compliment to, to his skill. He's just a solid, old-school defender who I think would do would do a job for my team. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, Lewis Dunk, Allah. Um, you know, who are who are some other center backs that you know would you put in that conversation? Um, oh, uh, Robert Huth is kind of that mold. I think a better version of Huth is mm-hmm. Dunk. But yeah, you're right. No nonsense English bruising it. center back. Yep. No caps for England as well. Never been never been capped for England. Hmm. Underappreciated somewhat. I, th- I agree, especially because I, I've never been terribly impressed with England's center back situation over the last five, six years. So yep. um, yeah, maybe maybe he'll be able to break in there. I, I did go with uh, Mopay here. Mm-hmm. So actually a little bit more depth at striker than I initially gave myself credit for. But um, another breakout player, he was their, their big kind of marquee signing in the summer. It was from Brentford to Brighton for 24 million American dollars. Um, and eight goals, two assists, so a, a pretty good return, especially for a Brighton team that has so little creativity um, and really attacking firepower. Uh, so I think Mopé, another one for the future, as I said, 23 years of age, a French international, hasn't played for the uh, French uh, senior team, also has Argentinian uh, uh, kind of identities that he could go to, but <laughs> two clubs that are not starving for center forwards at the moment, unfortunately for him. No, exactly. Yeah, and another center forward at Brighton I considered, of course, was the man, the myth, the legend. Who is it, Zach? It has to be none other than Glenn Murray. How is he not in everybody's starting 11? I just don't understand oh, it. The skeleton, the living skeleton, Glenn Murray up top for your team how could you not start him he yeah he had that insane season last year where he put up double digit goals and kept them in the Premier league <laughs> and it made absolutely no sense <laughs> he's he's good leandro trossard was another guy that i considered very exciting mm, young i like that player. um trossard yeah but yeah what was center back here um and next team west ham i definitely did not go center back because they have a shocking defensive record Who who'd you pick here at west ham um, I went with Felipe Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Anderson, obviously West Ham has been such a miserably disappointing club from top to bottom this season. I agree with you. Uh, their defense has been the worst of all of that. And Felipe Anderson, on, on paper, not terribly impressive returns this season. It's one goal and four assists in 22 matches. So fairly pedestrian uh, and also not the youngest of players. He's a 27-year-old Brazilian, but I think that you know we've seen flashes of brilliance out of him, and uh, you know if I'm going to stick with a club that is purely made up of tricky wingers, I have to put Anderson in that one. Yep, I actually I also went with Felipe Anderson. I think he's a great oh, talent. Nice. Um, Brazilian player, um, Brazilian international. Only two full Brazil caps, but I think he'd be a good solid backup off the bench to be able to bring on great attacking player. I almost went Zach with Sebastian Aller. I think he's going to have a breakout mm-hmm. season next year. He's done pretty decently this year, but now that he's got a feel for the Premier League, I think next season, if assuming they stay up, um, will be will be a phenomenal season for for Haller. He'd be somebody I'd be interested in, in signing as well. Yeah. 
I like that. The record signing for, for West Ham last summer, uh, seven goals in 27 matches. But, yeah, a physical specimen up top. So I, I do like he, – he could be kind of your replacement for, for Harry Kane um, in a way. Yep, I like that. I like that shout. Okay, on to uh-huh. Watford. Oof. Uh, oh, I'm man. guessing you have tr- <laughs> Troy Deeney, right? I I wish I could I wish I could with a clear mind go with Troy Deeney on this one, but <laughs> I know you're it's, a big fan. No, it, it wasn't to be with with Troy Deeney. So believe this or not, I went with a a player that has um, zero internet or zero Premier League caps in his entire career with Watford. Hmm. Do you know who that player is? I don't. Who who, who is it? So it's. Uh, obviously, largely uh, a lack of caps due to um, the current situation uh, in the Premier League. But January signing from Fluminense to Watford, 18-year-old Jao Pedro. Oh. Um, yeah, Jao Pedro, a, a center forward and certainly a purchase for the future by uh, by Watford. They bought him for just under £4 million. So not a terribly expensive signing, but having done some research uh, that I did today, looking at, you know, kind of those up-and-coming players for Watford, he really does seem to be one that a lot of people are tabbing as uh, another, you know, potential great Brazilian uh, player. He has no caps um, in the Brazilian senior team, nor in, I, I believe, actually any of the youth teams either. But um, yeah, it is just kind of an exciting one to keep an eye on and not a typical Watford kind of style player. So I, I, I wanted to go with one that I'm going to stash deep, deep in my academy. Yep. I, w- I went with youth at Watford as well, but probably a little bit more established than, than your player that sounds like he's never played a game for anybody in his career. Uh, I went with Ismail Assar <laughs> on the right wing. Uh, he's, he's come through in the last month or two of the Premier League that were played. Um, five yep. goals in 18 for Watford. 4-26, and 26, full Senegalese international, still only 22. A real talent. I think we were talking about right before the, the Premier League went on hiatus how there were a lot of Thierry Henry comparisons for him. He's somebody I think that will just keep getting better and better. Mm-hmm. Sar was the other one I was deciding between. Um, yeah, I think being compared to Thierry Henry would be a terrifying comparison to draw because mm-hmm. how do you... You know how do you live up to that hype? But he he's been one of the few bright spots of that team so far this season. So yep. I like that a lot. Cool. All right, so we're we're on to the bottom three, the low lifes of the Premier the League, basement and dwellers, the basement dwellers indeed. So we'll start with Bournemouth. I, I have an interesting feeling on this one that that you chose a, a player who might be near and dear to your your uh, country <laughs> loyalty. Am I correct in saying that? You're Adam? absolutely <laughs> right. In fact, there were two players that I was torn between. Yeah. One was a Loney yep. and one was an actual Bournemouth player that um, are both Welsh that could easily have made my team. I went Bo- with David both Welsh. Brooks, though. What's that? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that maybe the only club in the Premier League with two Welsh starlets right now. That's right. That's why I'm such a big Bournemouth fan. They're, uh, they're, Bournemouth jun- uh, they're, they're Wales Junior, I say, for Bournemouth as well. Um, and they've got um, some defensive players as well there. So they've got I think three starting Walsh players in there as well. Um, so, but I went with David Brooks here, center midfielder. hasn't played really at all this season with with injuries. I do think that this the postponement of Euro 2020 is a good thing for um, for Wales specifically because having David Brooks back. Think about that midfield for Wales just for a second. I know we're talking about Bournemouth, but Dan James on the left, Di Brooks on the right. Harry Wilson and Gareth Bale in midfield. That's a solid midfield, dude. Yeah, 
I agree. I think the future is bright for Wales. And yep. um, if, if Bournemouth can, A, stay in the Premier League and, B, keep hold of of um, David Brooks, I, I think that he is a player for the future. So definitely like that shout. I was wondering if you are going to do Harry Wilson, but I assumed that because he uh, ultimately is not a, a Bournemouth player through and through, you would you would steer away from that one. Yeah, I just I like the I like the danger of Brooks going forward. I think he's very similar in his style to sort of player like a Dan James. Um, I think Harry Wilson poses less of a threat going forward, but is a killer set piece taker, um, free mm-hmm. free kick wise. Oh my god, he strikes the ball really really well. But so does Gareth mm-hmm. Bale. So um, yeah, David Brooks and um, and on the left hand side, Dan James for me would be my two Walsh inclusions in this team. There you go. I like that. Um, okay, so as I'm trying to now makeshift an actual lineup that could be put put out for a competitive <laughs> match, um, this one here is my uh, my backup center back sitting behind Soyuncu and Van Dyke. We have Nathan Aki, um, mm-hmm. who I, I thought would be a good shout from Bournemouth. Uh, you know, the the former Chelsea man uh, going on to the club that obviously he was able to get a lot more playing time with. I, I think Aki has been pretty pretty good considering the circumstances this year for Bournemouth. Obviously, the defense has been anything but stout for a team doing that poorly in the Premier League. But I like Aki. He's, he's 25 years of age. He's actually Dutch, uh, which I, I feel like some people often mistake him for a potential England player. But Dutch, he has 11 caps uh, for the Orange. And um, yeah, I, I just think he's a good backup center back yep. nothing more kind of nothing more than that really you you know that i'm a big fan as well i think he uh he's somebody that i picked in potentially my my squad of the season i think he's been a big contributor for bournemouth this year and if they do end up staying up probably will be a big reason as to, to why they were able to hang on for as long as they did mm-hmm yeah, and I, I could see him in, in that, you know, I, another another country it's tough to break into, uh, playing for the Netherlands and being a center back sitting behind De Ligt and De Vrij um, is, a, is a tough ask. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I like I like the future with Ake, so I went with him there. Uh, all right, Villa, should we just skip over this one? This is the <laughs> this might be the easiest one on the entire list. We shouldn't skip over this one, and I'll tell you why. I'm already really attacking midfield heavy, so I know that you uh, went with Grealish. I didn't. Oh, I didn't go with okay. Grealish. Uh, I needed it, a backup it... center back because I'm really light at center back, and I went oh. with Tyrone Mings here. Oh, interesting. I thought you were going to go with uh, with McGinniesta if you weren't going to do Grealish. So yeah. that's that's a I, shocking. I know. One I need I needed I needed some center back coverage because I really only have Duncan, Virgil, Van Dyke. So Mings Mings is 27. I had no idea. I thought he was a lot younger than that. Same age as, as Danny Ings. It's kind of crazy to think, right? Um, but yeah, he's he's the guy I picked as my backup for Virgil Van Dyke and Lewis Duncan center defense. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, another kind of bruising center back. Uh, Got to be honest, I I it shocks me that he's getting put in the discussion for a potential England center back role. Honestly, I I don't understand how you know if you're a center back for for a team that is almost certainly going to go down i just don't see that but i i do like that chat i think he's I, another one you'd like to have on the bench for injuries mm-hmm. or any sort of thing in that yeah. nature but and a, gr- and, a vo- what... and a vocal presence i would say as well i think he's mm. one of those players in the past week that's come out and really kind of had a voice around the coronavirus and the potential premier league restart so i like that i've got a very vocal backline in van dyke dunk and tyrone Minks. yeah i like that as well um yeah i i for, for going with Grealish, it was kind of 
a cop out for me, or not a cop out, but an easy choice for me. Um, not you know, yeah, not 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 overlooking anything about him. He's uh, an England talent for years to come. So uh, yeah, Jack Grealish being being my selection there. So all right, on to Norwich. The you know the the worst of the worst, unfortunately, um, for for all the Canaries, your father included, mm-hmm. Adam. Um, interested to see who you went with here. Um, you know, Timu Puki is an option. Uh, maybe another one of those attacking-minded players, Buendia. I thought you might go with. So, mm-hmm. who is it for you to to finish out the twenty? Yeah, there's three players that I considered. You mentioned two of them. The other one was um, Cantwell, um, who's had a great season as well. Um, I did I did go with the the obvious one. I think here, Timu Puki, um, to kind of round out my my four strikers in my in my squad here. Uh, he's he's probably the oldest of the bunch. He is the oldest of the bunch. At thirty years old. He's a Finnish international. He just knows how, how to score where the goal is. I think he's another guy who bringing off the bench when, when legs are tired would be would be a great person to um, to kind of bring off the bench. And I think he's somebody that at that stage of his career and looking at the players around him, he'd probably be happy to be coming off the bench um, mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. that was my yeah. shout for Norwich. There you go. Nice. Uh, so yeah, you you named the the player I went and and decided on this one, and, and that's Todd Cantwell. Uh, um, I think has certainly kind of flown under the radar just because of you know, how poor Norwich has been this season. But twenty two years of age and an Englishman who's played for the U twenty one. Uh, side and pretty impressive returns uh, honestly in the Premier League he's played in all 29 matches six goals and two assists and that's from a left midfielder Mm -hmm. so Cantwell not traditionally known uh, for his attacking presence Uh, last year in the championship only one goal in 24 games and and so I'm very impressed by buddy what he's shown you know maybe would he kind of regress to the mean going forward probably but another one that you can kind of stash in there and you know, he would serve as a kind of a role player going forward. Yep. I think I have a bet with my dad going that of those three players, Puki, Buendia, and Cantwell, at least two of them will not be at Norwich next season. And he's very, very much believing that, you know, the the love affair with Daniel Fark and the loyalty to the team, they'll all stay there. I think they've got a sniff of the Premier League now. I don't think there's any way that they keep... I mean, at least two of them at, at, at Norwich beyond the season. Yeah, do you, do you think it would be who? Him and Buendia? Um, I think the most likely ones. Puki would be top of the list for me because I think Premier League teams are always looking for strikers that can score goals in the Premier League. So it wouldn't be necessarily a top team for me. But I could see somebody picking him up. And then I think Cantwell or Buendia. Maybe Cantwell because he is English. I think might be the one more likely than Buendia. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that that shout. Um, all right, well, that's that's our twenty Newcastle players for next season. No, <laughs> no foreign signings needed at this point. We, I think, we've constructed no. a pretty right, strong got club on on both of our sides. And then I would go with um, kind of moving on here, looking at kind of my final lineup. There, do you have a final lineup that you put together, Zach? Oh, not particularly. Okay. it's just. Stack up the wingers and see what happens. Yeah, there you go. I'll give you my kind of my, my final eleven then at least. Okay. So Dean Dean Henderson in goal, uh, from right to left at, in defense. Uh, Pereira, Dunk, um, Big Verge, Captain, and then Bukayo Saka on the left. In midfield, I would go with Traore on the right, De Bruyne, Mount, and McNeil on the left, and then Kane and Calvert Lewin up top. And one other stat that I uh, pulled in here: all of my players, including Alan Saint Maximin. Um, 754 million 
US dollars. Roughly translated, just over 600 million British pounds. That is double what the Saudis are paying for Newcastle. Wow, that's a crazy, crazy figure to think about. Um, <laughs> I wonder how heavily that would violate financial fair play, but there's no point in us talking about it. Yeah, let's make sure the uh, the deal goes through first before we start talking about breaking financial fair play rules. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's not something. Not something that beggars, you know, better beggars and beggars can't be choosers at the moment. I couldn't remember that saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, cool. Well, well, that that was fun, Adam. I enjoyed that that little activity yep, there. It was good. Good time. So, you ready to move into our next section here? Yeah, let's do it. Middle names there you got for me? Are there you five today? today? Uh, and I realized that I hadn't done your beloved Lester yet. So that's the team I picked for you today, Zach. Oh, let's go. There you go. Childhood all right, Lester so five fan. players. Just for listeners that haven't heard it before, I'm going to give Zach the middle name of these players, and he has to tell me the player um, who the middle name belongs to. All Leicester players currently on the roster. Okay, ready to go, sir? First one is Dewan. D-E-W-A-N. Dewan? Dewan. Um. Hmm. Um. um, um. Is incorrect. Good guess, though. Hamza Dewan Chowdhury. Oh, yep. okay. That's a wild card one. Okay, yep. I, I would have had no idea All right, there. second up right, for I like you. That. Peter. Peter. <laughs> ben Chilwell. Casper, Peter, Schmeichel. <laughs> I thought you might get that one. Oh, that's, that's... Damn, that's funny. I think if I took a little bit more time... There you go. His dad's, that's good. His, uh, like dad's first name is his middle name. So, All right. Yeah, Marion, M A R I O N. Yes. Marion? Marion. Is that French? Uh, um, 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 um. Yuri Marion Tielmans is correct. Very well done. <laughs> oh, let's go. Wow. Nice job. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Daniel. Daniel. Um, let's go with Incorrect. Jamie so Vardy. James Daniel Madison. Oh, okay. Wow. Wow. What a very what a British, traditional right? name that is. <laughs> All right. Last yeah. but not least, number five. Did Richard. Richard. Dare I say Jamie Vardy again for this one? Um, Richard, Richard, Richard. Uh, can I resist Vardy? Maybe Ben. I, I like Ben Chilwell. Jamie for this one. Richard Vardy is the correct answer. Oh no! <laughs> you talked yourself out of it. I knew it. I did. I don't think I would have gotten that right even if yeah, I lots said of, Jamie uh, Vardy. Lots of um, British English players for. For, uh, for Leicester. So not, not too many farm players that I was going to try and trick mm-hmm. you with there. Okay. I'm shocked you didn't do IOZ. I was I ready to get pull the trigger now. on IOZ. <laughs> yeah, I would have. I would, any, anything remotely <laughs> Spanish sounding, I would have said IOZ Perez. Nice. <laughs> uh, that was good. Okay. Good try right, for nice. me today. I, I one almost those. two. What did, I get? Did, I, did I get one? Mm-hmm. One almost two. Okay. 
Yeah. Teal Hunt, I pulled out. Your logic was good. That was was a good one. Yeah. Okay. All right. Lovely. Well, um, we'll jump right into it here and do some 10 and 90 to wrap up uh, our our episode, episode 43 today. Um, Adam, I'm curious if we did a similar theme. Did you, perchance, do some questions to honor the (laughs) return of the Bundesliga? All right, wonderful. And I, we both, I think, have stat questions. I, we I might have fully some repeat questions, questions here. This might be a first well. for us. All righty. Well, I'll you let like you to go, go first, first given that um, I've just tormented you with lesser players. You can you can go first, and I'll modify mine as I go. Okay. All righty. So, question number one: All Bundesliga themed today. Um, uh, what was the year of the first oh, Bundesliga season? One. Uh, well over a hundred years, uh, 19, No, far sooner than that. So similar to the Premier League, the German first division existed for a while. Oh, got it. The official Bundesliga began in 1963. Oh, I'm sorry. So yeah. So do you know when the actual like main first division in Germany started? Cause I know that there are some teams that have been Ooh. around a lot longer than that. Yeah, yeah, I know that. For example, Bayern Munich has won, you know, far more league like league titles than mm-hmm. than just Bundesliga titles. But um, in terms of the entire German first division, let's see, the German first division began. It looks like in okay, I was uh, actually only five years off then. Not too bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Alrighty, well done. So, question number two: um, Which, uh, what club? has spent the most seasons in the Bundesliga since 1963, <laughs> the inception of the league. I mean, the obvious answer here is Bayern Munich, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with that. Yeah, so Bayern, Bayern Munich certainly is the easy answer. Uh, beaten by one season, Werder, Werder Bremen has the most appearances in the top huh. flight. Go figure. I, I would not have guessed Werder Bremen. Yeah, so uh, yeah, out, outlast them by, by one season, but uh, Bayern obviously up there uh all right so uh on to question number three uh question number three what was which club was the last club other than bayern munich or dortmund to win the bundesliga and what year was that in (laughs) that's a good question i'm gonna go with schalke okay uh, in what year? I don't know. How about early 2000s? Okay, not not a bad guess. So it was Wolfsburg, and it was in 2008, which is pretty amazing. 12 years yep. of, of duopoly Wolfsburg. between those two clubs. It's a good question. Yeah, Wolfsburg would not have been, been a guess of mine. So uh, nice, nice question there. Yeah, there you go. All right, on to question number four. Uh, who is the highest scoring non-German in Bundesliga history? Uh, I know that Pizarro, Claudio Pizarro, played in the German leagues for many years, and that's who I would go with. Pizarro? Yeah. Uh, it's actually Lewandowski. So another oh, one. Oh, shit, yeah, because he's Polish. <laughs> yeah, P- P- Pizarro is in the top five, but Lewandowski at 227 goals in nine seasons, oh, yeah. which is yeah, I, insane. I, it's, it's funny, I always forget that he's Polish because he's... 
He's yeah. been there so long. He's been there exactly. Yeah, but Lewandowski is a machine. So yeah, um, yeah, certain certainly the winner there. All right, question number five. Switched it up a bit here uh, in terms of format. Adam, I'll ask you a true or false. Okay. Mm-hmm. So true or false? The Bundesliga has the third highest average attendance in the world after the English Premier League and La Liga. I go with false. Okay. And you are correct. False. The Bundesliga is the number one football league in the world in terms of average attendance, beating out all other European leagues. Yep. I knew that it was highly attended there. It's it's a religion over there for sure. And they've got nice big stadiums over there too. Yeah. Much larger stadiums and also just, uh, yeah, incredible fan support for each club. So well done sniffing out that one. Yep. I thought you threw me a red herring there, so caught you out. Indeed. All right. So let's let's go on to your Bundesliga themed questions today. All right. No 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 repeat questions there. So all right, here's a here's a good one for you. Obviously, Bayern Munich has the most top division titles with twenty eight. That's a crazy amount of titles. Um the second most is nine. Which team has the second most titles at nine? Dortmund. They have eight. They are in third spot. Who oh. you want one more one more guess at who was in second? Sure. Is it is it um hmm. is it Werder Bremen? It's actually a team called One FC Nuremberg. They're currently oh, in the second tier of German football. Um and most of theirs were in the nineteen thirties and nineteen forties. So they've yo yoed they've actually the team that has been relegated the most from the Bundesliga as well. That's so wild. um interesting stat, I thought that one. Yeah, that's a great one. Yep. All right, number two, um, Gerd Muller, German legend, holds the goal-scoring record in the Bundesliga. Um, he earned that between 1965 and 1979. I'll allow you 20 either way on this. What's the goal-scoring record in the in the Bundesliga? Hmm. How many goals did he score in the Bundesliga? Mm-hmm. Let's go with 338. Oh, you're so close. 365. Just a little shy of that there. That is remarkable. Oh, my God. When you consider early on, we talked about how Shearer had 283. Yeah. He's almost just over 80 more than that in 427 appearances. That's wild. Amazing striker. All right. Which German goalkeeper has the most ever wins when starting as a player in the Bundesliga with 310 total wins? No trick question here. Is very famous German goalkeeper. Very famous German goalkeeper. Uh, no trick question. You want me to say Neuer? Is it Neuer? It's not. It's Oliver Kahn. Uh, I, I, I had a feeling it was one of the two. Okay, yep. you got me with the no trick question there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would have been the one I would have gone for, actually, just thinking about him playing for, for Bayern Munich back in the in the late 90s. Sure. Manchester United and those classics. So Yeah, absolute legend. All right, number four. In 2013, Mario Goetze became the most expensive player traded between two Bundesliga teams when he moved from Dortmund to Bayern Munich. How much did he move for in euros? I'll allow you five million either way. 2013. Mm. So Mario Goetze, of course, from Dortmund to to Bayern. Let's go with... Hmm. Let's go with... I'll go with 65, no, no, 55 million. 
55 million is incorrect. 37 million euros oh. is the is the right answer there. Okay. All right. Not, yep. not as much as I expected, but price changes. Okay. So for my final question on the Bundesliga, Zach, in 1994-1995, the record number of red cards in a season occurred in the Bundesliga. I'm going to allow you 10 either way. How many red cards were issued in 1994 and 1995 in the Bundesliga? Whew. That is a tough one. Let's go with 22 red cards. 22? Yeah. 98 red cards. Oh, what? <laughs> what? That's insane. Yeah, I thought that was a good one. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, my I God. That's incredible. That either, so. Oh, that's insanity. Yep. Pretty crazy. So that's a, oh my that's God. a wrap for the Bundesliga. Um, yeah, so excited to see some some footy back this weekend. As am I, Wait, is there no Welsh question this there week? There can be. Would you like one? Do you have one right now? I have to. Yeah, we can't, can't break tradition. Right. So final question for you. Welsh word. It's actually two words. The first one is P-O-P-T-Y. Okay. The second one is P-I-N-G. And this one's going to be an easy one to pronounce, but I love the translation. All right, so I'll, I'll just go Popty Ping. Popty Ping is correct. Uh, and can you tell me what the translation is? <laughs> Will you give me any sort of clue? It's kind of what it sounds... This this appliance would make that noise. It's an appliance? Um, a Popty Ping? Yeah. Uh, let's go with a... Go with a uh, a blender. It's a microwave. <laughs> a microwave. <laughs> kind of Pop-ty pings ping. at the end, and you make your popcorn. And yeah, sure, I like that. <laughs> That's good. Okay, all right. I'm I'm for once I'm not upset with that. <laughs> <laughs> it actually makes some logical sense, right? As far as Welsh. Yeah, exactly. Welsh yeah. All right. Lovely, lovely, lovely. But yes, very excited for the prem to come back. It's being shown on what BN Sports, right? So I don't know mm-hmm. how we would get it in America. Now we'll find some pirate stream, right? The Saudis are good about providing us. <laughs> nice. Yes. <laughs> Topical references right there. <laughs> All right. Lovely. Well, um, yeah, for the 43rd episode of the False Nines, we'll be signing out. Adam, I have a feeling we might be uh, kind of violating our bi-weekly football and discussion in the coming weeks. Fingers crossed that we'll have motive to uh, based on some news in the Prem or in the uh, side with, with Newcastle specifically. That's right. Yep. Um, I, I think that's a, that's a fair shout. So um, fingers crossed we get some news here soon. We're, we're all waiting with bated breath. Absolutely. All righty. Well, for, for this week's episode, signing off. Footy. Footy.